Yes, sports radio's on. Talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in 718-664-9098, and we'll give you more. Talking sports, uh, yes we do. Talking sports, uh, it's for you. Play and play, and we spit it every day, and we're talking. Oh, yeah. Clap it up. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, hyped up on this Labor Day weekend. The first Friday in September. Ray, September is here. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. That mean, You know what that means. That means football. Ah, <laughs> uh, last night was already a treat. So, listen, we're going to talk NFL, some college, the little U.S. Open going down. The, 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 the last month they called up the rosters extended in baseball. We'll update you on the standings. Join the fun. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, tweet at us, Facebook us. YouTubers, it's all Ray and Tay today. The website's rayandtaytoday.com, and definitely the email, rayandtaytoday at gmail.com. Um, we definitely get to some of your emails. We're getting some people, uh, you know, making their college and NFL picks. So we'll, we'll read a few on the air, and we'll be back Wednesday. Enjoy the weekend, right? And we'll be back Wednesday with our NFL preview, the official start of our fourth Ray and Tay season. Ray. We got to start off with the man. Tom Brady knocks down, kicks out, or really Judge Berman knocks down the NFL and Roger Goodell. Brady wins. He wasn't going to settle. They didn't want to settle. Stubbornness, you know, goes sometimes, you know, makes you pay. And he will serve nada, nunca, nothing. What are your final thoughts, and should the NFL appeal or just leave it alone? Well, the operative word in your sentence there is what are your final thoughts. I don't think this is over. I think that both sides, just as Tom Brady dug in, I think Roger Goodell is digging in too, and the NFL is going to appeal this as far as it can go. So this is not over. This is going to hang over the NFL for the rest of the season, potentially. Um, you know what, Roger Goodell, it's one of those cases where both sides, I think, are at fault. Roger Goodell has a heavy hand, and he does. There's no check for his – there's no balance of power, right? There's no checks and balances like we have in our government. There's Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell, and Roger Goodell, the judge, jury, and, the, <laughs> he's know, all, he's and everything the else. Exactly. But on the on the other hand, do I think that Tom Brady did something and or the Patriots somebody in there did something? Yeah, absolutely. So it should you know, is it worthy of a four game suspension? Maybe not. So you and I both thought a game or two seems to be reasonable or something, some kind of fine, something. For tampering with the Bulls. I mean, tampering with the Bulls is, is a big thing. Uh, you know, let's not Right, but it's not what they equated it to. It's definitely not taking anabolic steroids. No, no, and no. That was I, I'm not. No, no. I, I'm right. not saying, I'm saying that was a leak that Berman was annoyed by, and right. found to be, you know, silly. Right, and, and so like everything with everything, the cover up is worse than the crime. And had the Patriots and Brady just said, "Hey, you know, I like him a little bit on the on the lighter side, on the on the mushier side, if you will," <laughs> this all could have gone away. But it's not, and I think both sides are going to dig in. So. Even though I think that that something in between both sides is kind of reasonable, this won't be resolved until maybe middle of the season, maybe even end of the season. So I want it to go away is the bottom line, but it's not going anywhere. Well, listen, you have heard some of the owners, um, you know, even Arthur Blank came out and said in the Atlanta paper that, you know, that Roger should probably not be in that position of basically giving out punishment and then rehearing it and deciding on if his punishment was too much or too little. 
So I think the owners are at the point, Ray, where they're realizing uh, this is, is, is not good. And I, I don't know. They could pull back on this appeal. I don't think it's official that they appealed yet. They said, Roger said in his release yesterday that they were going to, but, and he didn't even give anything in there except for, you know, oh, it's, you know, integrity of the game. Well, you also need some integrity of your investigation and not to have Jeff Pash, the NFL lawyer, come and be cross-examined. You know, the Judge Berman ripped them for that as well. And so the NFL didn't show integrity and even a cross-examination of, of the evidence of the Ted Wells report. So there was, there was a lot of, you know, mishandling. I think the NFL, you know, look, we love the NFL. And the shield is the shield. We all love it and respect it. But I think they're going to have to give a little somewhere in this situation where, yes, you could have the power and that will be renegotiated when the next CBA comes up. But just because you have absolute power doesn't mean that you can abuse it and twist it and turn it. And I think that will hold up in the second pellet court because of how Judge Berman broke down and wrote out the ruling and scolded the NFL. So I don't think they actually want to go to an appeal and get embarrassed even more. To say, at the end of the day, the good thing is my Steelers will get to play Brady and beat him because I don't want to beat the Patriots without Brady. Oh, Lord. Here we go. The number one Steelers fan. I will say this. Remember the last time Brady felt disrespected and the Patriots felt disrespected and pissed? They went 18-1 and and 16-0 and in the regular season. Best you believe there will be a lot of games where the Patriots score over 40 this year and they try to rub it in and run up the score and, and make the whole league pay. Mark my words, Brady will have a magnificent season. Don't necessarily love the secondary, worried about some of the, you know, a little bit of the defense, although front seven's great. You don't love the receivers. The O-line still needs to improve. But Brady will come out with vengeance, and you know that, Ray. That's going to be fun. So Pick him up but, on your fantasy rosters if you were in question. Let's, let's, let's talk some NFL moves, man. Uh, your, your boy, Tim Tebow, played well in the last game in the second and fourth quarter. And it's looking like he is going to make the Eagles roster because they traded quarterback Matt Barkley to the Cardinals today for a seventh-round pick, and it could be a sixth-round pick if he plays a certain amount of time. What are your thoughts about Barkley going to the Cardinals? I guess they didn't like Phillip Sims and Logan Thomas, although Phillip Sims was tearing it up. And I can't believe that they'd have Matt Barkley jump over Drew Stanton as the backup. But I guess the Cardinals learned from last year, right? You might need three quarterbacks. So what are your thoughts about Tebow and the Eagles and, and the Cardinals and then Barkley's role there? You know, I think it's good for both teams. I think Barkley is a decent backup. And I think as we saw with Skel- Skelter and, and uh, whenever when Palmer went down, really Arizona's season just went, went with it essentially. Uh, these guys have – you know, GMs. If you have, if you carry three quarterbacks and there's 32 teams in the NFL, you can't tell me that a, a Heisman Trophy winner, two-time national champion, is not one of the 96 best quarterbacks in the NFL. And to the extent that you need to tailor your offense around him, yeah, it's a little bit of a problem. But if if he's your third-string quarterback. And if defensive coordinators in the back of their mind have to prepare for Tebow in special situations, whether it be goal line, whether it be, you know, a drive or two somewhere in the middle of the season, he's a threat. Two-point conversions. He's a threat. So I love the fact that, and great for him, that he went to Philadelphia, right? I mean, Uh, this guy resurrected Mark Sanchez. He'll resurrect Tim Tebow, you know. It's great. I think it's great for both teams. Like I said, Barkley's a solid backup, and as a number three guy, he probably does more good on Arizona than he does on Philly. And to give the Chip Kelly and his offensive, I don't want to say genius yet, but his offensive uh, you know, innovation, give him a tool like Tim Tebow, it's great. It's great. I really love it for both teams. So a couple other notes. You know what's so funny? I mean, this is weird, and I know this because I'm a Steeler fan, but 
you know, when Sweezum went down, they picked up Graham Hartley. He's not that great, bounced around with the Saints. So then they traded a couple of days ago for Josh Scoby from the Jaguars. But then they just traded their punter to the Giants who cut Weatherford for conditional seventh-round pick. And I've never really known punters and stuff to be – and kickers to be traded like this before the season. They're normally just cut and other teams pick up other, you know, kickers or whatever. But I just thought that was kind of fascinating that uh, Brad Wynn, the Steelers punter, got traded to the Giants. But the Giants, you know, they traded kind of a little rock star, right? Weatherford is is kind of well-known in the New York. Yeah, sure. And uh, he's got the great, you know, physique and the workout and all this stuff. And he helped, he saved the lady in the offseason on on the, um, I think on a New Jersey turnpike or something, you know. So, like, uh, it's sad to see him go. And I'm just, I don't know, I just think it's kind of fascinating that, you know, with all these different cuts, and moves, and hopefully Jason Pierre-Paul, he's supposed to, you know, come and join the, the, the team and return to the Giants. You've got your boy Rex Grossman uh, was uh, cut with the Falcons. I didn't think he would really stay on and, and, and make it. But I think there's going to be a lot of superior talent that doesn't make the 53. And nowadays, I know you were talking about the 96, but most teams are keeping two quarterbacks. I think it's only about maybe 10 or 15, maybe less than half. No, I know. I know. That's, and that was my point. And that was my point that if, you know, I was exaggerating a little bit, but my point was if you keep three, now if you keep two, keeping Tebow is a little bit of a different calculation, right? You really do have to change your, your whole offensive scheme for him. He's probably not going to look anything like your starting quarterback in terms of plays that you like to run for him. So then you need to consciously decide you need to take time away from your offensive coordinator and your offensive schemes and, and build in a whole new, you know, 10, 20% of your playbook is going to be new. But as your third string guy, I love it. Totally right. You're totally right. Um, you see this, the Broncos, Ray. Their uh, safety, uh, T.J. Ward, got suspended one game. So, I didn't see that. What was he suspended for? Uh, personal conduct. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, so the team suspended him, not the league. No, no, it's the league. I don't think – right now I think it's only the league that can really suspend players. I don't think they're doing any more team stuff. Okay. Well, I don't know. So he it got suspended one safety. game, so yeah, basically the opener he's out. Due to the personal conduct stuff. So, you know, just a couple of NFL, you know, news and notes that are flying around. I think we're going to be really entertained with a great season. Um, I I, I just, I I can't wait. You know, we'll break it all down on Wednesday. But so many player movements in the offseason, you know, faces and same faces in different places, new coaches. We'll, we'll, We'll talk about all that. But, Ray, we got to talk about last night and then this weekend. College football, even though the NFL tried to rain on their parade, you can't rain on the second most popular sports in America, and that's college football, and deservedly so. They, it's great to watch. I thought last night the big three games were all close. So you were right on with Michigan being able to hang in there. And, honestly, if Jake Rudolph played – a little bit better, didn't have those three turnovers and hit some of those deep passes, they could have upset Utah, Ray. They played really well, and you could see already. But they, but like I said, the offensive line is not big and it's small. That's where they're hurting because they can't run the ball. But they're definitely taking his personality. I saw some plays that reminded me of the Niners. And Michigan is definitely going to be improved this year. Utah gets the win. Uh, seven points, 24-17. They couldn't do an onside kick for the life of them. What were your thoughts about Utah and and good secondary? Those Utah corners are something. Yeah, Utah's a really good team, and I think that they are going to show well in the Pac-12. I mean, it's a tough conference, but they're going to show Mm -hmm. well. The takeaway I took from Michigan is that Jim Harbaugh, his imprint is all over this team already. Yes. The team is starting to play like he likes, is starting to look like he would like them to. And just wait. Give him a couple years to recruit. And if you looked at his numbers at San Diego State and then at Stanford and then with the Niners, 
once the talent catches up and once he can bring his own guys in there, he'll be fine. He will be fine. I mean, I don't know what they'll do this year. Maybe they'll go uh, eight and four or something like that. But um, this Michigan team is going to be fine, and Jim Harbaugh is going to do what he does. He's going to run the ball. He's going to have a quarterback in his own style that can, you know, move the chains and make good plays. Now those three turnovers. Uh, I'm sure nobody's happy about that. But did you, did you see how he interacted with the quarterback, though? And he put his arm around him, and he's like, look, one quarterback to another, you know, you have these kind of days, you'll be all right. You know, just let's let's just work on our progressions. Let's just make good decisions, and we'll get there. So if you're a Michigan fan today, you got to be pretty happy. I mean, you, you had the Brady Hoke era. You had, you know, even, even dating back to Lloyd Carr, um, you really haven't been excited about – some of these coaches and where the program is. So if Jim Harbaugh is here to stay, the Michigan program is just great. I mean, what more can no, you say? Totally, totally right. And you know what? Rudolph only threw five interceptions last year. So, you know, I think it was some opening night jitters. And um, obviously he came from And a from good Utah Iowa. team. Definitely good. I love their secondary. We obviously know about Booker. So, and then the other two games, I got to tell you, you know how much I love TCU. I picked them to win it all. But I also, and we talked about it when we had Charles on, I also knew this Minnesota team. I remember they, they yeah, were. You did say watch year. out for them. And let me tell you, they played their butts off. 23-17, and they were in a position that, you know, maybe get a miracle towards the end. Didn't work out. But they played so well. And I applaud them. They've got a great program. You know, Minnesota's a mess in the athletic department, though. They're having a lot of issues with now sexual assault and yada, 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 whatever's going on over there. But the Minnesota football team, Ray, I was very impressed. And you got to watch them to be a top three to four finisher in the Big Ten, without a doubt. And they maybe can knock off the big boys. Their defense, they gave Boykin a lot of trouble. Now, he, he was inaccurate and made some mistakes. But they they were not easy to move the ball on. But Boykin, even with his mistakes, you see the superior talent. You know, he threw for over 200. He got the two touchdowns and then an interception. But the kid is the kid is special. Not a dominant game. Not by no means nothing to write home about. Didn't look like a number two team. But that's okay when you're on the road week one playing against a team that at the end of the season could be in the top 25, you know? Right. So you can look at this as glass half empty or glass half full. So the glass half empty argument is you go on the road, you have a serious test against a Big Ten opponent, and you really don't look that great. So for a national championship caliber team, a number two team in the nation, this isn't good enough. This isn't going to do it. Trayvon Boykin was okay. He, what he threw for 240, 250, ran for 92 yards. He had a couple of really big, wide open misses. You know, he missed Nixon in the end zone. That would have been a fourth quarter clincher. Uh, he threw a bad interception to uh, to the cornerback there, uh, Murray. But that's a half empty argument. The half full argument is, you know what? This team doesn't really know how to play from ahead. Nobody's really penciled in TCU as a team to watch and the team to compete against. So give them a week or two. And they didn't play some cupcake in week one, you know, Eastern, Western, Southern State U, right? They went out and played Minnesota. And... <laughs> That's a solid team, and they did enough to win. And so look at Florida State last year. Now, totally different scenario, right? Winston wins the, the national championship, and he, win, you know, he wins the Heisman. But Florida State basically played poorly and still made it to the Final Four. You know what I mean? Just win in advance, win in advance. And they play in a good enough conference you know, in the uh, Big 12 that TCU – will start to have a bullseye on their back, but they just need to learn how to win and win tight games. So just you know, win in advance, win in advance. So I like TCU. I still don't think there's a reason to be worried, but they have to sharpen up. Yeah, you're definitely right. And then also our, our buddy, the old ball coach, South Carolina against North Carolina, a battle of the SEC and ACC. You know, they had a lot of, matchups in the um, 
bowl games last year with the ACC kind of put it on the SEC. So this was big, especially for recruiting in that region. South Carolina beats North Carolina. Pretty close game, but I think it's good to see South Carolina. They're, they're starting over, right? They lost Clowney two years ago. They're running back. They're one really good wide receiver, and they lost their quarterback in Connor Shaw, who seemed like he was there for 20 years. So now it's sort of like a whole new uh, regime coming in, really. And don't think South Carolina is going to be a player in the SEC this year, but, you know, they'll be, you know, middle of the pack. But for them, I thought it was a good victory over North Carolina, which is, you know, not it's not North Carolina of a couple of years ago where they, you know, had some good talent. But I thought it was a good win for South Carolina and Steve Spurrier. He said, I've got to be better as an offensive coordinator. He kind of critiqued himself a little bit. So, you know, you got to love Spurrier. I wonder yeah, how long that, he'll do this for, though. That's a good question. Also, you know, the other thing that stood out to me is your boy in Arizona, Scooby Wright, got injured. So they're yes. keeping an eye on him to see how badly he's been injured. I mean, I, I'd hate to see this guy go down. I wanted to see him play against all those high-powered Pac-12 offenses. So I'm definitely going to keep my eye out on uh, on him. Yeah. Maybe we'll get maybe we'll get Tay to get some some reporting. I have to go, go, go down to Tucson and, and go to check Tucson it out. And, yeah, and get the, get that injury update for us live and direct. So speaking of Arizona, let's let's move forward to to the games this weekend. You have obviously, you know, we'll talk about Monday's game. You got some games tonight, but Saturday seems to be some of the bigger games. So let's start with ASU against Texas A&M down at Reliance Stadium in Houston. You know, you've got a matchup where both quarterbacks got to play last year. Um, You know, your boy Thrill Hill got sort of benched or hurt, and Allen came in. Now he's won the job. And Kiovici, or however you say his name, you know, he played for Taylor Kelly when he got hurt. Well, both these guys showed they were good. And, of course, I told you Kyle Allen's from out here, by right, right next door to Arizona State. You know, he went to Desert Mountain High School. He's an Arizona kid. So this is going to be a big game for him going against ASU. What are your thoughts? Who, who are you picking and, and, and why? Mm. Who's going to win this game and give me a score? Mm. You know what? This game, by the way, I still call it Reliant, but it's NRG. Get your, get your stadium sponsors right, homie. <laughs> NRG oh, Stadium NRG. in Houston. Yeah, NRG, do they, do they, baby. Do they go NRG on me? So you know what? <laughs> if this were in College Station, I definitely think that A and M wins the game. If this is in Arizona State, if this is in Tempe, I think Arizona State wins the game. I think that, despite the fact that Arizona State is the top fifteen rank, I think they're ranked fifteenth in the country. I'm going to go with A&M. They got the defensive coordinator from LSU. Kevin Sumlin, you know, is is definitely going to have the offense clicking. I think they're going to be able to score some points, and finally they'll be able to stop somebody this year. Last year was horrible. Uh, So I think a close game, I think the games in Houston helps A&M. I like them in a close game. Fairly high scoring. I'm going to say 30 to 26, Texas A&M. Wow. Why are you acting all Aggies? Exactly. Go Aggies. Okay. Well, listen, I, I can't argue in terms of the location. But I will say this. I think it's not going to just be a home crowd. I think Arizona State's going to travel down there. And I think... I think they're ready. I think they're battle-tested. I think the Pac-12 is it's just no joke. And I think they're ready to show the SEC and everybody that they're trying to have a special season. Now, I'm not saying it's a Final Four season or whatever, but it's going to be – they're going to they're gonna be strong and finish strong. So I think they start strong. I'm going to go ASU – 31-26 over the Aggies in Texas A&M. 
Can I just tell you the over-under on this game is 70? So <laughs> the folks in Vegas are expecting a lot of scoring. You know, even week one, most games are, you know, 50, 55 is the high over-under. This game is 70. We're both picking way under that, but yeah. the folks in Vegas are thinking that it's going to be ping-pong out there. And it very well could be. We'll we'll see. So let's let's go to 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 the big boys. We got two other games that don't have uh, ranked opponents, and we'll get to the Auburn and the, the Louisville and Notre Dame and Texas in a second. But we got to talk Bama against Wisconsin. This is ABC. It's Saturday night. The lights. And it's Jerry's in, uh, world. Jerry's world. And what I like about Bama, they're old, the last couple of years, right? They're starting not with a cream cake or a cupcake. They're starting with a serious team. And Wisconsin is a serious team. They don't have Melvin Gordon, but they have ballers. I'll let you take a stab at it first. What's going to happen with Bama and Wisconsin Saturday night? I want a good game. I want to see how good this Alabama team is. But you know what? I think Nick Saban all day, every day. So... This game is going to be played on a neutral field. I think Wisconsin, the only chance Wisconsin would have would be as if it would be played up in Madison in February. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's I, I not happening. It's not happening. I think Alabama is just even without, you know, knowing exactly how they're, you know, what kind of quarterback play they're going to get. I think Alabama wins big. Uh, they put it on the badges. I'd like Alabama to put up. Thirty-one, seventeen. Ooh, okay. I, I'm similar to that. I I agree with you with Bama. Don't need to beat it to death. Probably be Coker a quarterback, but I say twenty-seven, seventeen. The defense, the defense, the defense. I want to see Derrick Henry though. How much he can run on Wisconsin. We'll save the champs for last. Ohio State. Let's go to Texas. Notre Dame. Ray, this is an interesting game. Two of the biggest programs in, in the world for college football. Um, it's the second official start for the man, the boy wonder, Malik Zaire. I'm higher on Notre Dame than you are this year, and I think you're going to see why I am. I think this kid is ready to rip. I'll take a stab at this one first. I like Texas, and, you know, I like the coach. I think he's, I think he's the right man for the job. And I think, like Harbaugh, it's going to take two years of recruiting, not necessarily one. And so that means this year they'll start to, start to be better. But I think next year is the golden year for Texas, just like the year after next is going to be the golden year for Michigan. So right now I'm going to say Notre Dame pulls out a, a, a pretty interesting game I'll say 33-27, Notre Dame over Texas. Points, baby. I like where you're headed on this one. I think Notre Dame at every position has an advantage. I think offensively, defensively, special teams, it's all, you know, the fighting Irish. I may not think that Notre Dame is a top five team, maybe a final four contender, but I think they outclass Texas. Charlie Strong, we like to hire. We think he's the man. But right now, not Chip Kelly, but his <laughs> brother Brian Kelly, his brother from another mother, is the man. And That's them Kelly boys. <laughs> exactly, them, them Kelly boys. So, yeah, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame wins pretty easily. Uh, I think the games, the games in South Bend – I think that they take care of business. Texas on the road, they're just not ready. So I, I got Notre Dame winning um, 30-13. to 13. Now, this one's interesting. Figured we'd do five games, and this one is uh, could be a sleeper game. Louisville at Auburn. Now, this one here, Ray, I think this Louisville team is a little bit better than people are, are thinking. I don't want to say people are, are disrespecting Louisville, but maybe they just are disrespecting Louisville. I think Louisville is going to be in this game and show themselves really well. But at the end of the day, I think Auburn and Jeremy Johnson 
will take care of it. Not as high scoring. I'm going to say 28-23. Auburn wins a close one over Louisville. So I think this game being played in a neutral site gives Louisville a little bit more hope. This game's going to be yeah, played where is this in one the Georgia at? Where are they it at? in the Georgia Dome. This one's in the oh, Georgia it is Dome. in the Georgia. They're Dome. doing a lot of these home openers in neutral court, uh, neutral field, especially these yeah. non-conference. Yeah, conference you know, football's games. doing that now. That's good. Yeah, they're trying to go big time and and include fans from all over. But like you said, we think we have a replacement for Nick Marshall, Gus Malzahn. We know what he can do. He brings in Will Muschamp to shore up the defense, and which I love. Yeah, I love. Yeah, that Alice move. Johnson was 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 considered to be a good defensive coordinator, but but uh, you know Will Muschamp from back in his days for Spurrier, and you know he's he's earned his way as a you know defensive coordinator, an upper echelon D- DC. So I actually think Auburn wins pretty easily. Uh, you know, I know you you're big on Louisville. You think they're a little underrated, but I think that Auburn, I think Auburn puts it on them, and, and I think that they put up a good 35. So I got Auburn winning 35-23. Okay, and then the rematch of last year with the upset, where everybody was shocked and surprised, and it almost messed up their championship season, but it didn't. Virginia Tech. Ohio State, Ray. I got. And by believe. the way, Car- Cardell Jones what? is is all right. He's out of the hospital. He's you know, he, he's ready. Okay, what happened? I totally missed what happened with Cardell. Yeah, he was just uh, just like precautionary. I mean, but he's good to go. Okay, so did they? Anou- he didn't announce the starter yet, though. No, and I don't like this whole nonsense that he's. No, he's just waiting to the, the starter and let's go. I think at the end of the day. JT he Barrow's had a headache scare. That's what it was. Cardell Jones no, he, said he had a headache scare. JT, JT, JT is more ball control. Cardell's more big play. JT's got more college eligibility left. Go with Cardell. This kid needs to play so he can go to the NFL. Go with Cardell. We'll see how it goes down. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to go with them putting it on. Ezekiel Elliott might throw up 220. And I love Virginia Tech in their defense. They tend to not be so stout up front. I like the, the back seven more. But I think uh, Virginia Tech is not going to be able to score so easily. And I'm looking for probably – I've been stingy with the points this time. I'll be generous. I'll say it's going to be 38 to 17. Yeah, I have something similar. I think that uh, Ohio State – because of the two quarterback situation is not going to be clicking offensively. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott will run the ball 25 times. He'll rush for 150, 160. Frank Beamer has been known for defense and special teams, but I just think this Ohio State team is too, too big, too fast, too strong. The game's in Blacksburg, though, so gives Virginia Tech some kind of light. But at the end of the day, this is just this Ohio State team's a juggernaut. So I like Ohio State here, thirty-three twenty. Okay. So you know, listen, we're going to be doing big things at our college picks. If you want to join an ESPN our group, it's Ray and Tay today CFB picks. It's our group. You can join and compete with us. It's still open until I guess early Saturday morning. You can check out uh, Ray and Tay's page or Twitter. There's a link there. It's just kind of fun. We like to make the picks. They don't do the Thursday games. They just do the Saturday games. It should be a pretty fun college football season, and you do your confidence from 10 to 1, which team you're, which game you're most confident in. you got to be confident, Ray, when you make your pick. Yeah, be confident. confident. You know? So let's take a quick break, come back, Serena's Open. <laughs> the U.S. Open is going on. <laughs> we'll talk about what Venus is doing. Serena plays tonight. Of course, some of the men. And then we'll finish with baseball. The last month of the season. It's the home stretch. And the Yankees and Mets could be playing each other, ladies and gentlemen. Rain. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, stuck a 
December's here and it's the end of the summer Back to school or to work for some, it's a bummer For others, it's a new year and time to atone Buy some new gear or a cell phone Labor Day Parade, what island is you from? Yes, yes, we are back And we're back to talk some more sports we got half the show left. We got to talk about tennis. We got to talk about baseball. We got to get you ready. Get you ready. So, what do you think? Let's talk some tennis. You want to talk some U.S. Open, and we'll end with yeah. some baseball. No, let's let's start with the U.S. Open and finish strong with the baseball. Um, you know, I love it. I love the fact that Venus was able to advance. She won. Was it in three sets? Yeah. You know, she was able to to pull it off. I'm happy for her. She she looks like she's... Look, Venus is sort of like Federer. You don't know if she can ever win another major, if we're being honest. You know, Federer, Venus, Tiger, they're kind of like all in the same boat almost, although Tiger may be a little bit different, a little bit better of a chance because of the sport he plays. But... To see Venus advance, and hopefully she makes it at least to the semis or something like that, you know, it's good. And I think the U.S. Open, it's a great place to see, you know, the American girls do their thing. What's disappointing is there's no good American men in tennis. It's like dead. It's almost like American men don't even play tennis anymore. And that's unfortunate because we had such a dominant run you know, with Connors and McEnroe and Agassi for such a, a, a time period, you know. But um, it's changed a lot, right? It really yeah. has changed. It has, so. and the U.S. really has to go back to the drawing board, women's tennis. And think about this. When Serena, if and when, you know, when <laughs> Serena oh, retires. Retire soon. You soon. Leave. Yeah. Then you know who do who, who Sloane Stevens. There's a couple other people, but but the U.S. tennis is on the women's side is going to be pretty weak too. So got to get the USTA out there recruiting these kids, get them away from other sports, start pulling them into tennis, <laughs> and get that get that uh, U.S. tennis level up. But let's talk about Serena Williams for a sec. So. Did you realize, I know we, we, we talked about this off air, but I don't know if we talked about it on air, that in her bracket, oh, yeah. on her side of the bracket, right, she basically has no top ten players. So yeah. it really would be her losing it rather than somebody taking it from her if she doesn't make it to the finals. That's why right. I said the Serena Open. <laughs> yeah, to have a road that easy. I mean, now look, you have to play each match and you have to win and, and you know, but... But it's because Sharapova was hurt though, right? I mean, she just couldn't... Well, Sharapova withdrew, but the three withdrew. other top ten players in yeah. her bracket lost in the first round. No, I remember the upset. So but... she's got an about as easy a draw as there is. And now remember, she struggled at the French and did better at Wimbledon, but struggled at the French. So I got to say, unless she looks ahead and really, really hits somebody playing hot tennis, you got to pencil Serena into the finals. Right? Yeah. And even then, she's she's a favorite in every match. So, you know, you still have to play. Tonight at to seven. Yeah. Tonight at seven on ESPN, too. So that should be fun. Against um, what's this girl's name? Met Metcalf. Oh God! Yeah, hold on. I, yeah, I have her penciled in in my bracket to go. <laughs> well, basically, yeah. So the men, though, talk to me. Your, your thoughts about the men? I mean, we both picked the Joker. Um, he's he's really unstoppable at this point, but. <clears throat> There's a, a couple of guys that still could be in contention. Nadal, the Nadal, he advanced, right? You yeah, look, the, the guy that he needs to also be worried about is uh, the guy he lost to, uh, the number nine seed, right? He's obviously got to. Oh, well, 
So the question is, all right, so Federer's the two seed, right? And Federer's got a pretty, you know, a pretty easy time. He's got. I want to see Federer and Djokovic go at it one more time, don't you? Yeah, I mean, the other guys out there, uh, Andy Murray's number three in the draw. Stan Wawrinka has given him problems before. Uh, but, but the guy, basically, Ma- Marin Cilic, you know, he uh, he struggled. Five-set match. Um, Joe Willie Songa won. So, again, it's hard. <laughs> it's like five years ago, right? Tiger versus the field. A lot of times, even though you hated to do it, you took Tiger. So, it's hard not to take the Joker and Serena. Uh, even if I gave you the field, I'd still be pretty confident in those two. Yeah, no, I mean that's you know especially on on this surface, right? On the this US surface, Open. Definitely, yeah. No, you know what? I'll tell you this. Now this isn't going to happen, so don't nobody send me an email taste predicting this. But if Nadal could upset Joker, and you could see Nadal and Federer one last time in the finals battling each other. That's what I'd root for, to be honest with you. It won my heart. Just in the down Federer, because all those years, they went head-to-head. Just to see them one last time, I'd sign up for that in a minute. I really yeah. would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, so in his third-round match, yeah, he's got to play uh, Fabio Foggini from Italy. Yeah. And then next round, he plays either Lopez or Rannick. And then he'd play... I guess that would be what the quarters he'd play. Um, he he's at the top of the bracket, so he'd play Djokovic. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're going to meet in the quarters basically if they advance. Exactly. So we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll keep you updated. And obviously, it doesn't end. You know what is it? It ends the finals the next Sunday, not this Sunday, but next right. Sunday and Monday, I guess. But next Saturday and Sunday. You know, they always go into week two of the NFL season usually, so that's what's going to be happening here. Or actually week it's one. great weather, too, so that's good. You know, not too hot, uh, not raining, so that's good. doesn't look like there are going to be any delays. So this looks like a really good U.S. Open this year. By the way, did you see that the U.S. Open, they have the stadium. You know, they're going to do the retractable dome in Flushing Meadow, but it's half done. So they built it. About halfway, they stopped. They're going to run the U.S. Open, and then in the fall, they're going to fix it so that next year they'll have the retractable dome ready for the U.S. Open. Okay. Well, you know, it's sort of about time, right? I mean. Yeah, they did it for Wimbledon. Uh, You figure they should be able to do it in New York. Now only the Jets and the Giants have a $1.6 billion stadium that doesn't have a retractable dome. Uh. Don't well, explain that one football, to me. You play in all types of weather. No, right? but I'm I mean, just saying for the stadium purpose, not even for the oh, for, yeah. for the Jets and the Giants. I'm saying to have a stadium that you could use year round for monster trucks. You know, you got to put your monster trucks in there. Monster trucks? Yeah, I feel you on the monster trucks. You got to have your and your big concerts. I mean, yeah, you could be using that stadium, you know, for a lot of things, and they're just not getting the maximum use out of it. But let's talk about the Bronx Bombers, because they're back. The amazing Mets are back. Your Nats, I mean, let, let's start nationally, because your Nats, and I'm calling them yours, because that's who you, you were in love with them beginning of the season and picked them. Six games back, wow, wow, wow. And what's amazing is how great the Pirates and Cubs have played, that they're so sort of solidified the wild card. I mean, right now, the Giants at 69 wins, you know, they can't even touch the Cubs. So it's pretty much over, if you ask me. Pirates and Cubs are going to be your wild cards, and they're going to battle. That one-game matchup will probably be in Pittsburgh. they got to figure out, you know, it's going to be, what, Grant Cole against Arietta, probably, and it's going to be a showdown. And I'm getting excited. i got to tell you, this year's baseball playoffs, because you're going to get some new blood, Cubs, Mad, you know, Yankees, they're not new Blue blood. Blue Jays. Blue Jays, you know, but the Astros. Astros, yeah. The Rangers. And remember I told you, Tay told you. You're you did, you did. I, I, I need mean, to apologize woof. to the Rangers. Although, 
don't sleep on the Minnesota Twins. They're not going anywhere. They're they're sticking you're around. Home. You're right about that. I like what they've been doing. And they're what a game back or half a game back of uh, the wild card behind Texas. So they're they're there. They're right there. It's it's great to see. It really is. But Minnesota, you know, one thing you got to say about them. I think having Tory Hunter there, he knows how to win. He's a great leader. I think this guy is a leader and a quality guy on and off the field. He's you know helped out a lot of different ball players. I was hearing a story the other night. How about this? Your Detroit Tigers are in last place. Wow. The White Sox have even passed them. What a crash. Yeah, that's a crash. And Dave Dombrowski, I mean, they, they just, yeah, they got old pretty fast. And, and I don't know what happened to Verlander. He's actually pitching very well last three, four games. But, you know, the ace of the staff was not pitching like an ace. And then those nagging injuries and then, you know they have some young talent too. JD Martinez is 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 an up and comer, but what can you say? They just uh, that's why you know they're the perfect example of a team that when you can strike, you have to strike now, and that's why I was happy to see the Houston Astros make a move. I was happy to see the Kansas City Royals make a move, especially small market teams. You can't consistently. I mean, maybe if you're the Red Sox, you can say, "Look, we have a we have a big payroll." The Dodgers, the Yankees, you can say, "Look, we can make these investments in players." But these smaller market teams, and Detroit's kind of middle of the road, not a small market, but but by no means, you know, spending Dodger money. You need to you need to strike while the iron's hot. You need to 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 capture whatever you can. Because think about it, Miguel Cabrera is probably the best hitter of this generation. And his window for the playoffs and, and for making a big run might be over unless they make some major changes. Left, still some greatness, but you're right. They should have struck while they had that chance. And it seemed like they had the pitching, the roster. They just never had timely and clutch hitting. And they weren't getting the, the big runs and the big you know saves or bullpen in, in the playoffs. Did you see, no. speaking of the Mets, though, well, let me go back to the Mets for a second. Did you see this little back and forth with, you know, Matt Harvey's coming off the Tommy John surgery, and mm-hmm. his agent, Scott Boris, in the news, yeah. is talking Boris. about how they should limit his innings. And the Mets are not doing what happened last year or two years ago with Steven Strasburg. And they're saying, no, we're going to pitch him four or five more times. And we're just going to let it ride. He's got 166 innings so far. So they're going to get very close to the 200-inning mark. And Scott Boris trying to protect his investment, trying to protect his guy. And I wonder what Matt Harvey thinks about that. I would imagine the players want to play. And as long as the doctors say it's okay, they want to play. But that's a tough one. With that arm and that surgery, you do have to watch the inning, especially – is his first the very year. first year back? Yeah. I, to me, I would be, I would, be, I would not go into the postseason over 200 innings. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't. Do you realize though, the St. Louis Cardinals are almost 40 games over 500, 86 and 47. Is that is that the quietest? Oh my! Eighty-six goodness. win team, you know, in uh, September fourth. That, that's just crazy. This team are they going to get a hundred wins? I mean, this team is insane to me right now. I mean, quick math wow. tells me they're at what one twenty, one thirty-three, and there's one sixty-two. So there's almost thirty games left. There's twenty-nine games left for them. So mm-hmm. even if they go fourteen and fifteen under five hundred, they hit a hundred wins. So if they win at that six, right? If that if they win at that six forty winning percentage, or let's say they just win, you know, of those twenty nine, let's say they go seventeen and twelve. That's one hundred and three games, like you said, one hundred three, one hundred and four. Quietly speaking, they're going to win one hundred games. And I thought the Nationals would win one hundred games, but I should never. I should the never. Royals might be right behind them with ninety nine, eight ninety eight, one hundred games. The Royals have eighty two. Another team that kudos to them for, you know, in the beginning there was all these shenanigans about everybody's coming after us. We've got to fight our way and earn our respect. But all that 
seems to have settled down. I like the Cueto acquisition. I like the but are you but are you worried about Cueto? He hasn't looked great with Kansas City. Correct. Switching leagues, switching hitters. It's tough. Uh, I'd rather go into the playoffs with with him. They still have the bullpen. They still have the scrappy manufactured runs. Because remember, the formula in the playoffs is all about just keep the game close, timely hitting, and close it down in the bullpen. And I think based on that formula, the Kansas City Royals have just as good a chance as anybody, including the St. Louis Cardinals, to win it all. And I think they're the odds-on favorite, right? If I'm not mistaken, they're, they're the favorite to win it all right now in Vegas. Royals? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a yeah. um you know, it's a bit of a Cleveland situation where they're such the prohibitive favorite I guess in the American League that Yeah, but you can you know, if you were a betting man. If you were a betting man, be honest. Right now, when you look at the 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 bats, the runs, the the pitching, you'd have to really look at Toronto and the Mets. That Mets staff and what they're doing, and that, and the Blue Jays pitching and hitting, I don't know. Those are those are the two teams that I would I would definitely put some coin down on, if 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 it was you know a situation of, of betting. But our Yankees, let's give our Yankees credit. Uh, only a game and a half back, they're still there, man. They've been scrapping. They're they're scrapping, Ray. I, I love it. Well, Teixeira just went on the DL. I'm a little bit worried about that shin injury. They've they might shut him down for the rest. Step up. No relation to Larry Bird, but our boy Bird is he's got to step up at first base. He's not the French lick. The what they call him, the Hick from French Lick. French Lick, <laughs> he's not the Hick from French Lick, baby. But no, he's not. And the Yankees will scrap and claw and maybe. I think they'll hold on to the wild card, don't you? And, and play either Texas or Minnesota at home in that one game. Uh, Who are you throwing out there? One game, Yankees, Rangers, in the Bronx. Are we going with Tanaka? I think a hair over Pineda. Yeah, I think so. By the way, CC, you know, it looks like he'll be back pitching tonight or tomorrow. Uh, I just think the Yankees hit a wall, and they're going to scrap and claw and do whatever it takes to make the playoffs, but – they might be one and done. I, I hate to say it. I'm, I'm not confident in the middle of that lineup. Uh, they carried the team for about a month and a half, but with especially without Teixeira, I'm not sure that the Yankees win a series. I mean, they may not win that. A one-game playoff is, is a coin flip, right? But but even after that, I don't, I'm not sure they win a well, series. Well, be honest. If they win that one game and then they go on to, let's say, go to Kansas City in a series, you would have signed up for that going into this season. I hundred percent would have signed up for that. I didn't have them making the playoffs. I didn't have them making the playoffs. I had them finishing fourth in the AL East. Yeah. Sorry, fourth in the AL East. And if it's Yankees, Royals, and then Blue Jays and and, and Astros. Astros, yeah. That that could be a great uh, playoff series. I tell you what, I don't know how it would do on TV. But the Blue Jays Astro series would be just oh, so I'm missing. interesting. I'm not missing a pitch with those <laughs> storylines with those two teams. Do you realize that the Blue Jays haven't been in the playoffs since the Joe Carter home run ninety three, yeah. the second year of their back to back? I didn't realize that. I mean, you figure, all right, they had some down years, they had some up years, they had you know they had a couple of cycles in terms of managers and Cito Gasson and J.P. Ricciardi and the GM and manager, and they, they had a lot of turmoil, and the old Toronto Dome became the Rogers Center. But could you imagine it's been 23 years, 22 years, since they were last in the playoffs? That just I, – I, It's mind-boggling. Wow. It's mind not as long as the Cubs, though, Ray. Not well, as long as those Cubbies. <laughs> Well, the, no, but the Cubs have been in the playoffs. They just haven't done much in the playoffs, right? They when was the last time the Cubs were in the playoffs? We need to look that up. It was probably, I think, it was that year when the kid touched the. Uh... Yeah, that was two thousand and three. That was the year that the Yankees beat the. Sorry, 
that the uh, Marlins, yeah, yeah, that was the that was the the what you call it, the Moises Alou, yeah, that was 2003 where he where he made that catch. They should have won Game Six, ended up losing Game Six and Game Seven. That was to the Marlins, and then the Marlins okay, lost the game. Okay, at least that was a decade though. Yeah, that's 12 years, right? That seems like a long time. So think about that. Think about So exactly my point. Think about how long that is, and that was 12 years, and they're almost double that. They're 22 years that the Toronto Blue Jays haven't been in the playoffs. Oh, and by the way, we've had the, we've had the wild card since 95, so it's not like you had to have won the AL East because, you know, the Yankees and – the Yankees and the Red Sox have had a stranglehold over that division. Well, they've been battling, right? I mean, think about the AL East, right? In this, in that time period, you've had the Yankees, the Red Sox, some good Baltimore teams, and some good Rays teams. The Blue Jays, they they had promised some of those years, but they just it seems like they never they never had a complete team to battle those other four. Right. Comparatively, you know what I mean. And Yankees and Boston were always putting out that money. For sure. So good for Toronto. I, I, I'm happy to see it. You know, it's one of those things. That it's like it doesn't come along often. It's going to be fun to see. The way that this team is built, though, they've got young players there. I mean, Joey Bass has been around a little bit, but Encarnacion and some of the other guys, you know, Troy's older. But they have some youth. I think Toronto, you could see them being good for the next two to three years at least. If they can so, keep everybody, yeah. And I think the right. fans are really showing up. So I I really admire what's happening there. It's almost the opposite of what was going on in Tampa Bay. Remember when Tampa was good? They still uh, they had no it's, a, it's a bad arena, but it's a bad stadium. But they were having trouble filling it up. So good for Toronto. They're back, and their fans are back, and that's just a good story. You know, if you win, that's what you want in sports, right? You you don't mind if the fans don't show up when you're not winning because, you know what, tickets are expensive, and bringing a family of four to a baseball game or any sporting event, it adds up. But yeah. when they do win, then you want the fans to come out, right? And they didn't in Tampa, and they are in Toronto. Totally right. One thing before we go, to add to the to the bad seasons, you might have called it in our picks, but I'm a, I got I gotta admit I'm a little disappointed in the Cincinnati Reds. I thought they might come in third in the NL Central. They're in fifth, 55 and 77. That is not the record indicative of the roster that they currently have and or even started the season with. They should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> Phillips. No, Phillips, Bruce, Votto, Rather Ch- Chapman, Cueto for most of the season. Those guys should be embarrassed, Ray. 55 and 77, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, 55 wins. That's embarrassing. It just it makes no sense to me. It really doesn't. So, a lot to watch for. This is a college football weekend. Preseason games ended last night in the NFL. You know, it seems like most guys are healthy. We have our fantasy football draft this weekend. Ray and Tay banging heads Sunday and Monday. Our two money oh, leagues. Yeah. The one thing I will say about NFL, which which is good, is that there were no big catastrophic injuries in this preseason. So that's always good. You know, there were injuries. Well, but you heard about Shady. Shady might not be 100% for week one. Right, but he'll be fine. I'm not drafting him this year. Not no, you're not going to draft him. If you're if no. you're drafting eight, nine, ten, and no. he's there, you're not going to take him. No, I go against my running back thing. If I don't take Jeremy Hill, then I'll say let's go Des Bryant or Antonio Brown or who's there. I, I I just I refuse to go into a season with a player that already has something wrong with him. Can't do it. All right. One guy, let me ask you one guy, Latavius Murray. I've heard so many different stories about him. Some guys love him, some guys hate him. What do you think? have a very productive season, uh, 50 receptions, 1,300 yards rushing. I think Murray will be good in fantasy, and he'll be the dominant back in Oakland. He's a good pick, a top 15 pick, definitely, in fantasy. You draft him. Okay. you got to take him. All right. On that note, have a great sports weekend. Have a great fantasy draft. 
And we'll catch you on Wednesday with our NFL preview. And we will reveal our fantasy rosters in our preview show and pick the games for week one. So stay tuned. 8.30 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday night, Ray and Tay, Season 4, NFL Preview Show. Have a great Labor Day. Out. Peace.